0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Wednesday, March 27th. Welcome to a new era of the NFL. No, seriously. It is a new... Uh, by the way, this is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host on this uh, voyage. We are, we're heading into uncharted territory as soon as this year because the NFL has voted... NFL owners voted 31 to 1 at the annual owners meetings in Phoenix on Tuesday evening. They voted to expand replay to include pass interference, both offensive and defensive. This is I mean, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna blow out a proportion. Um Or blow out my microphone by adjusting it, but this is a big, this is a big thing, this is a big deal. This is only temporary for 2019. However, basic to put to put this simply, the NFL tried to figure out a way to put replay. After a heated debate between owners and coaches in which essentially Sean Payton, Saints coach, served as the galvanizing factor for 32 NFL coaches, got them to go to their owners and say, hey, you need to make this change, make this happen, beat the drum. And because, listen, we're going to talk to Pete Prisco in a minute. And we talked to Jason Lockenfora yesterday, and you got the sense from both of these guys. You have to suspend disbelief because I talked to Pete before uh, on Tuesday afternoon. This is how quickly this changed the sense from people in Phoenix Around, and from people around the NFL, is that this was not going to happen? That a change was not going to happen? That the owners were going to say, "No, nah, this is too much. We don't want to deal with, with with expanding replay to include a judgment call, pass interference call. That's just too much. We You know, we we don't want to deal with that right now. That's a bridge too far." And Sean Payton, I'm telling you, the, the, Sean Payton, Saints coach, the guy who was once suspended for a full season for bounty gate, has now led this uh, cavalcade of of, of uh, NFL coaches into a situation where they demanded from ownership to get change or to at least see how change would happen. And for the 2019 season, the first 28 minutes of each half, coaches will be able to challenge defensive pass interference and offensive pass interference uh, situations. Calls and non-calls alike. In other words, the 2019 NFC Championship game, the Saints and Rams, the Nicole Roby Coleman play, Sean Payton, if he was still in possession of a challenge flag, would have been able to throw his challenge flag there. Except actually he wouldn't have because the last two minutes of of each half will be reviewable calls or non-calls by New York. Now, I'm going to give you some real sexy audio here. This is Rich McKay. Uh, chairman of the NFL Competition Committee, uh, VP of Muckety-Muck of the Atlanta Falcons, breaking down what happened live after the rule was announced.
1: I think I, I give the coaches a lot of credit uh, and um, the, the members of the committee a lot of credit. We went in with the idea that we were absolutely willing to expand it. Now the question was going to be how far and for what. And the reason that we made the proposals for uh, the um, DPI and OPI, was that we had data that said these are the most impactful plays, and that's what replay was designed for. So we went down the path of trying to figure out a rule uh, that would uh, expand uh, replay that we could get 24 votes for. And any time you deal in the replay world, 24 votes is not quite as easy as you think. Uh, and and we uh, we came up with rule proposal number 6, rule proposal 6A, rule proposal 6B, and we passed rule proposal 6C. So we definitely uh, we were able ah, to make sausage really in one day, uh, which is uh, good for us. Uh, we, we, I think, we ended up in a really good place. Uh, this is the first time that we'll have a foul such as um, DPI, OPI, be able to be reviewed when a flag's on the field, or actually cause a flag, throw a flag, whether that's the challenge by the coach, all the way up to the last two minutes, or whether that's the replay assistant buzzing down, stopping the game, and having Al review. Back in New York. So in essence, what you've, what the rule does is it puts OPI and DPI into our uh, replay system with no change. So the system is exactly the same, but OPI and DPI are now reviewable. And that includes when a flag or no flag. We've never done that before. Um, I think the coaches, um, made some good cases. I think that, um, the committee, I give our committee credit there, you know, we were at a 4-4 and getting, not
0: to let him go on and on, but I mean, I think it is important to hear the actual NFL explanation. I mean, seriously, you want to know what the NFL is saying. And that's the, that's the whole gist of this, is that the NFL, plus I can eat up a minute of my time. You don't have to hear me talk. I can listen to Rich McKay's competition committee jokes. Um, <laughs> six, we past six C. <laughs> Hilarious, Rich. Um, but the, uh, no, I mean, I think it's important for the NFL. They didn't want to blow the system up, right? They wanted to maintain the same shell of replay. They didn't want to change a replay system. They like what they have in terms of replay. They wanted to keep what they have and they wanted to, um, figure out a way to slide in underneath that shell an ability to look at offensive and defensive pass interference calls, understanding that if this goes horribly wrong, and that if this slows down games and badly impacts games and causes the game to feel, I don't know, like bad for the consumer, or bad for the player, or bad for the, I don't know, the coaches, I me, mean, whoever, like, like this, like, like, I admit a problem for. Five years now. If it causes that, then uh, they have the ability to go back and say, "All right, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have passed that. We need to get rid of it." The only team to vote against this, by the way, the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, uh, it would have been thirty to two if Al Davis were still alive. That's how Mike Brown rolls. Um, Sean Payton got up and and said on on Tuesday morning and on Monday night uh, that. He really wanted to see a situation where 6B, amended rule change proposal 6B, would allow the coaches to throw a flag in these situations. He really wanted that to be the case. It didn't look like it was actually going to happen, and they ended up finding something else. Uh, and Gail Benson, Saints owner, was a proud proponent of this. Remember, she came out and made that big statement. She said, this is what I wanted to happen. That's why I made my statement. Benson said to reporters, the non-call in the NFC title game will never happen again. And that was important. I mean, look, it was important to the Saints. They feel like they got hosed. I give credit to the Saints for approaching this in an adult manner and making changes to the system rather than continuing to uh, create uh, change.org petitions that were designed to, you know, to, 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 to get Roger Goodell to institute some, the crazy rule where he can change everything. Uh, here is Sean Payton reacting to the rule change after it was announced. Look, it, we're trying to address the two fouls that, that most impact games. So forget the end of our game. Just look at Pittsburgh, New Orleans a few weeks earlier. And uh, the last three years coaches are being a little bit more judicious with their challenges Um, I think that'll continue especially in light of the fact that you now have a more meaningful play you can challenge and so south of two minutes you know it's in replays hands but north of two minutes it's in your hands and so um, I think it won't impact the the way we watch a game and I I just think uh, there's two more calls that that we're gonna,
2: you know, work to get right. And I, I think that you know, the room felt real good
0: about that. The I'll say this, when you when you hear what Sean Payton had to say about that, and it, it is true. So you, you assume, oh, now you can challenge pass interference. This is a disaster. This is gonna make games so slow. Coaches are gonna be throwing flags. No. They're gonna have the ability to throw a flag in the first 28 minutes of each half. Coaches are, no, When you think about the weight and importance of a pass interference penalty in the range of I, I, in fact, my point is, I think we will see uh, challenges in first halves of games because of this. I think we will see it shrink dramatically because of the importance and weight of a pass interference penalty that may go uncalled in the second half. Uh, no, of course there's an egregious pass interference call or a non-call that coaches believe should have been, should have happened in the first half. They'll throw it, but I, I think coaches are, to Peyton Sean's point, I think coaches are going to be very judicious here. They're going to want to hold on to those challenges. These challenges are suddenly now exponentially more valuable in terms of that window from the start of the second half until two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Now at, at, the, at that point, um, With two minutes left in the first half and two minutes left in the, in the second quarter, uh, those, those challenges will, you know, are worth us because they're, they're going to be reviewable, right? Uh, and and so from that perspective, you know, you are going to have maybe a bit of a slowdown, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. I I mean, how often is there a major potential pass interference penalty that isn't actually you know, slowed down and watched on replay seven or eight times. Anyway, you're sitting there and the announcers are talking and there's a, uh, you know, there's a, a play clock stoppage and people are huddling up. Well, now instead of that, they're going to, they're going to take a look at it with the hell with the, with the helmet on or, or underneath the booth. Now I granted we, college basketball games. This gets ugly when they start trying to add time on to games and all that. I, I understand how that could be concerning. I think that could be an issue, but I I I believe that if you have the technological ability to get to get calls right and to make the right decisions and to avoid real time disasters that are easily avoidable, like the one that occurred in the NFC Championship game, and to and to not have your you know your your not have seasons and games and and everything affected by whether or not an official threw a flag you should use that technology to to make an improvement and so i credit the nfl for for taking a big step forward here one that you know as we talked about yesterday we didn't think was going to happen just because the owners are so conservative um big step big news we will have more fallout of course from the owners meetings um coming on wednesday or uh, thursday show i guess uh we'll we'll wrap up everything that happened there Probably have a super friend show at some point this week. But now let's go talk to Pete Prisco, who was live in Phoenix, chatted up, uh, chatted to Matt LaFleur, was waiting on uh, Les Sneed, has some interesting information about the Arizona Cardinals and their number one overall draft pick that actually really surprised me. Let's get to Pete after the break. Alright, joining us now from live from Arizona at the owner's meetings where no doubt he has a penthouse suite reserved at the Biltmore. Pete Prisco, what's up buddy?
3: No, so I got a bungalow. <laughs> the Biltmore bungalow. <laughs>
0: have you, uh, have you played any basketball with
3: Mike Girafalo of the NFL Network? No. And, he, and I just... Bumped into him, and he was in some uh, workout clothes. And I said, you want me to go shoot your face out again? And he goes, it took you to Tuesday to bring that up? And I go, yeah. I was a little slow on the draw this week. Uh, No, he's done. He he must know part of me.
0: True story. When we were out there, this might have been like 2013 or 2014. I can't remember. um, But Pete... Garofalo was walking to the, the basketball court in basketball gear and Pete in flip-flops and shorts was like, I'll go with you and absolutely annihilated him. I don't know if it was one-on-one or horse or whatever it was, but you, you blitz-creed Garafalo, uh, into oblivion. He walked back with a look of great shame on his face.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, um, we played, uh, around the world, you know, it takes shots from each spot. Yeah. Who makes them? Yeah. And I shot him out.
0: I love it. Uh, all right, let's dive into uh, what's going on. You wrote about for CBSSports.com, of course, uh, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. I have um, I have seen people say that the speculation of Kyler Murray going to the Cardinals is growing increasingly louder, and it's more likely he's going to go. What say you, Pete?
3: Oh, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I think there's a real push uh, by the ownership in Arizona to make the move, or they need to sell tickets. They're not you know tickets here in Arizona is a front runner city um so they're trying to make a push to sell tickets and i think the owner knows that michael bidwell uh so i think that's coming mostly from him but i do think it's going to be a reality you know cliff kingsbury loves him too and if you're going to hire cliff kingsbury uh you got to give him the opportunity to play with the quarterback that he probably wants most in his system so uh face lit up when he talked about kyler murray yes 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 he did
0: i saw i was watching on tv and he was like they he was asked by kyler murray about multiple people and it like he he looked like he was in love. Like I mean, that's what you saw, right?
3: Well, what was that? Was uh, the, the kid that made the movie? You know, there, what's his name? He looks like the actor. Um, the, uh, who's Kingsbury? Look like he looks like the actor um, uh, played in. Uh, Remember the Titans to play the wide receiver, the little kid. Uh,
0: hold on, I'll you know you. What he
3: looks like. He just yeah. started from the Notebook.
0: Oh, um, uh, if you hadn't asked me, I would have been, been able to tell you.
3: Hold on, I'll tell you in a second.
0: Um, but yeah, go on about uh, go on about Kyler Murray, and I'll, and I'll... The way he
1: looked
3: like it was the way that kid looked at, like that movie, supposed to be one of the most romantic comedies of all time, or the most romantic. Oh, Ryan of all Ryan time, Ryan, right? Ryan
0: Ryan Gosling. He looks like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah wasn't yeah. he in the Notebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I in all, all that notebook. stuff. Yeah, he looks. Yeah, well, the way the yeah. way
3: the way Ryan got the way Cliff Kingsbury talks about uh, Kyler Murray is the way. Ryan Gosling supposedly talked about his girlfriend or wife or whatever it was in the notebook. I never saw it, so but that's what I hear.
0: Mm, interesting. So, do you, I mean, do you think that they will? And it's early still, but do you think that they will draft Kyler Murray first overall without knowing where Josh Rosen goes? Because I know that uh, Jay Gruden was asked by uh, by the. Uh, jigger to the Redskins was asked about josh rosen and said he's not available and there've been you know people sort of playing dumb a little bit on the josh rosen side of things How, what do you think the the cardinals plan is overall with that right now
3: that was uh jason like just walked by and yelled bobby brinson no uh i, <laughs> I think it's going to be uh i think it's going to be one of those situations where uh, they're trying to feel out what the market is and they're you know the bigger the market, the better it'll be for the Cardinals. I don't think it's much of a market for them, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, if they get a second for them, they do cartwheels they'll probably end up with a third. Oh my God,
0: that's a disaster for Arizona if that happens, right?
3: Well, I wouldn't do it, but I'm not the general manager or the owner of the Arizona Cardinals either. Although I play one every day, but <laughs> I would not do that.
0: So you, th- so I mean, to me, if ownership is sold on this, then it's a done deal. I mean, and, and you're, you're, I mean, I, I think if, I mean. Because that was what we talked about this at the Combine and coming out of the Combine and, and during these podcasts at the Combine is that the whole problem for the Cardinals with Steve Kine and Cliff Kingsbury was selling Michael Bidwell on the idea of taking a quarterback in the first round uh, in back-to-back years
3: for the first time
0: since when, Pete? Uh, tell me. I don't
3: remember. El- that. Uh, Elway and the Baltimore Colts in 1983 and
0: 1984. Or 1982 and 1983. John Breach knew it. I didn't know it either. But... um yeah, I mean, like that's a tough sell, right? To to say, hey, we're going to take a quarterback in back to back years in the first round, but you think that ownership is behind it and is willing to make this push because of how Kyler will be embraced? And have, are they basically saying, hey, we'll be the we'll be the new Browns <laughs> for lack of a better phrase?
3: Well, I mean, look, if if you believe in Murray being the guy, then you, you got to. Pick them. You got to make the move, uh, and clearly, people in that building, and I think it's ownership more than anything, is, is the one that is, they feel they like have to make the move. So, if you, if you pick Murray, you got to you got to get rid of Rosen, um, no matter what you get for him. Right. So, I, I do think it's going to happen. I i do, and I wouldn't do it, but I think they'll, they'll do it.
0: Hmm. That's good. interesting times. It's going to make the draft pretty spicy if. uh if Kyler Murray goes number one overall, the, the Pat Shermer talked a little bit. Actually, no, before we get to Pat Shermer, I saw you lurking uh, I saw you lurking around John Gruden. Any thoughts on, um, on what the Raiders are thinking as they head into the draft? Any thoughts on John Gruden's comments about this offseason?
3: Well, I mean, look, they built that offense trying to give Derek Carr a chance to succeed this year, and I think they're going to give him an opportunity to, to do that. But uh, they had to spend all those draft picks on defense. I mean, that defense is a is a joke. It's terrible. Uh, they've addressed the offense. Now they need to address the defense. And, look, in their draft pick at four, I think they got to draft a defensive lineman, whichever one is left there. And then when you get to the next pick, you got to draft the linebacker. And when you get to the next pick, you got to take a corner. Or you can go down lineman, pass rusher, corner uh they have to address the defense in all three of their picks and i know people will say well they gotta have the needs but that defense was a disaster and paul gunther played with a lot of crap on that side of the ball last year he deserves to have some players
0: yeah i mean do you think that john gruden has the uh mental fortitude to to draft three defensive players in the first round with those picks or is he gonna at some point probably veer towards the offensive side
3: you know, and John, John probably use two of them on a defensive player, and one has to be an offensive player. because he can't help himself. <laughs> that's that's probably what will happen. You know, John loves his offensive side of the football. I get it, I understand it. And, and but you know, they're going to have to address defense in a lot of ways in that draft. It was bad. I mean, it was, there was. Arden Key was supposed to be a situational pass rusher last year. He ended up playing about seventy percent of the snaps. That's not supposed to happen in the first year when you weigh two hundred and fifty pounds. So uh, I do think they will address defense.
0: Hey, did you know that you got a shout-out on uh, Good Morning Football today?
3: Did I? Yes. For what?
0: Well, uh, Kyle Brandt was – he was making a pun or making a joke. And, I mean, he was – I think he good-naturedly used your name knowing that you wouldn't be offended by it. But he was talking about – so Schrager's in Arizona, right? And uh, Peter Schrager is. And Schrager was telling – saying how – the media members, once they start serving the food at the coach's breakfast, it's a swarm to the food and all these guys are scrambling around and Belichick's trying to hang out and, and, and people are sitting there pounding eggs and stuff like that. And, and, and Brant, as they were going to break, he's like, Pete Prisco will, uh, will stomp on your throat to get a, to get a slice of quiche. I believe was his
3: exact line. He said, Pete Prisco will stomp on your throat to get a slice of quiche. I like that. Yeah. Hey, I don't eat quiche. Hey, I don't eat quiche. <laughs> Uh, b i don't eat eggs uh c if i had to i would stomp on your throat
0: yeah that's a, well
3: but but
0: now the best part is that they later showed schrager interviewing somebody and um and uh and and after they showed it while well, he was after he was after he uh, interviewed somebody they like Jason Reed and uh Eric Williams of um of, of well I guess both of ESPN now were in the back while like pounding eggs during an interview. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, it, was, yeah, it wasn't Go me. Jump. It wasn't me. I don't eat eggs, so no, it, it could have been me.
0: No, it wasn't you. I was hoping you'd be back like I was hoping you had seen Good Morning Football and you might you might sorry my son busted up in here. Um and I was hoping that you had seen the show and might be like fake like gnawing on a bagel. But um at, at any rate, you did get a shout out. It was pretty funny. You would have appreciated it. I'm sure that they'll have the video up somewhere. Back to uh, back to football and these owners meetings. You who who have you talked to down there? Because I know we got the CBS Sports HQ thing rolling. Everybody can watch Pete on CBS Sports HQ, of course. And uh, who who have you who have you heard from in your uh, many travails well, we, around the league?
3: We had Adam Gase on a little while ago, and uh, yeah, I, I saw. I'm sure you saw his interesting quote about Tom Brady, how long he can do it. Did you see that? (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, that was awesome. And he took a shot at me and said, I'm doing it at what he said, I was 75. (laughs) (laughs) I go, I look good for 75, though, don't I? Um, Yeah, I mean, look, you know Gase. One of the questions I asked him, I go, when you play the Dolphins, I know you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. And he went, "Uh, just another game. But he was kind of biting his uh, tongue when he said it because, you know, how he is. he's got – the biggest boulder on his shoulder of any coach in this league. He, he, he will love play the Dolphins, but look, he's uh, he's excited about what he has there. He should be. He's got he's got he added some good play. He added Le'Veon Bell, uh, and then he also got uh, you know he's got Donald. Jamie, he got Jimmy Crowder. I mean, yeah. So he's excited what he has there. And uh, look, he doesn't back away. One thing about Adam Hayes, he won't back away from saying his team's going to be good. You know how some coaches will say. You say, hey, you think your team's going to be good? No, no, we got to play it one week at a time. He says, look, we're healthy in December. We're going to be good. That's what he said. Mm. Do you believe him? Do you think this is a good Jets team? I'm not ready to say that they're going to be a playoff team this year. They could push for it, but I don't know if they'll necessarily get there. They can. I mean, look, Buffalo, people dismiss Buffalo. Buffalo's feisty, man. But John McDermott has that team. They play hard every week. I think he's one of the underrated coaches in this league. I really do. I think – you know, the garbage on his team last year was terrible, and he played, they played hard. And they were competitive in games. And, and so I think it's going to go, the England going to win the division again. The Jets and Buffalo will fight for two. And then way, 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 way down on the bottom, <laughs> you got the Miami Dolphins.
0: Are they are – they t- do you think they're tanking and they don't want to – because, like, they addressed it uh, on on Tuesday. they were like, Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores are both like, we are not tanking. You know, we would never tank. It's, ins- you know, basically said it's insulting to say that they're tanking they're kind of tanking, right? I mean, they traded. They're starting. Mean, they don't have a quarterback. But the problem with
3: the problem with tanking for next year is you are missing out on the one the next year. <laughs> if you are going to tank, completely tank it. Go for yeah. two years. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because you know that tanking for Tua is not what you want to tank for. You want to tank for Trevor.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Trevor,
3: Trevor Large is the one you want, not Tua. Yeah. And so if you are going to tank, you might as well really go into the tank.
0: No, I am with you. Um, and I, by the way, I agree completely. I think Sean McDermott. I've been saying this for you're all over Buffalo, but I've been saying that McDermott has added 1.5 to two wins a year based on his coaching ability and the job that he's done there. What about the Packers? Could you talk to Matt LaFleur as well? Is there a sense the Packers are four-point underdogs in week one at Chicago? Do you think that that is a fair line, and how do you think the Packers are shaping up this offseason?
3: I'll take the Packers right now with the four. Mm. Can I have the Packers in four already? That's a lock. You can. Lock
0: FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey offered it.
3: Yeah, that's a lock. I mean, think about that. The, the Packers added two good pass rushers. They added Amos on the back end. Uh, they got two first-round picks. They can help the defense again if they want to. They can get a wide receiver, a tight end if they want to. And they have Aaron Rodgers. And they uh, let me say it again. They have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and this is going to be a new offense. It's interesting because Matt was more. You know, I asked him. I said, you know, you're – Pretty young coach working with a quarterback that's almost as old as you are, and how do you handle that? And you know, he said, "Look, that's a good question. I don't know, but he's he's been talking to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they can't talk football, but they're communicating. Wink, wink. I'm sure they talk football. I'm sure everybody in the league talks football with guys that they're not supposed to talk football with, but they are communicating. And it'll be interesting to see what his offense looks like. I mean, because when you look at LaFleur, he likes a lot of movement, a lot of bunches and movements and motions." And who, at the Super Bowl, who told me that? Was it uh, James Jones? No, or was it – who was the receiver we had on at the Super Bowl? Was it Jones or Driver or one of those guys? Uh, Greg, Jennings, that, Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. Yeah. Greg Jennings told me that Rodgers is the reason they didn't run bunch formations because he didn't like it. Mm, that's... He likes to have a quick pre-snap look with everything where it's supposed to be. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's a little clash of cultures and offensive philosophies if you know, Lafleur wants to use all those bunches and movements. Are, are you have a bunch and move now. The way the game is played, if you line up one over there and two over there and say, "Go ahead and win," you're not going to win consistently. So they got to change the way they play offense.
0: Are you buying into the idea that Lafleur can be a good head coach? Because I mean, he—you know—he, like I, I mean, he's got a good, a pretty good pedigree, but he doesn't. It's not a mind-blowing pedigree. And you, I mean, I know that you've always thought Mike McCarthy. Uh, was an excellent head coach. Do you, th- I, I don't know that they've, u- I don't know that they've upgraded, but do you think that they've made an, enough of an improvement in terms of moving to a modern style coach that this offense will work?
3: I'll tell you what though, if you're a first year head coach, usually you step in a situation. You don't have a quarterback like that.
0: That's I true. Mean,
3: that's not, that doesn't happen all the time. So he's stepping into a good situation. Look, you're always good at, it's just football. I mean, you know, if people kill Kingsbury, what's he going to do? It's just football. You figure it out. If you're a good coach, and you have good players, you figure it out. You're a good coach. I mean, you know, we sit here, we, we all, uh, arguably Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, right? Arguably. And I think he is. Yeah. But we forget about his Cleveland days, right? I mean, they weren't great in Cleveland. And we forget about that. And what would he be if Brady wasn't there? No, they weren't awful, but they weren't great. This is that is, Lock and again? Uh, that's Lock and Forward chiming in. You had, enough. you had to say so yesterday on this podcast. Go away. Yeah,
0: tell um, him Tell him that he needs a new cell phone because his service is terrible.
3: You said you need a new cell phone, by the way. <laughs> so your service was terrible. Um, but, yeah, but, no, I, I think, yeah, look, this is a good situation for Matt Lafleur. The Packers are going to be really good. The Packers are going to be really good this year.
0: Uh, you had them going 15-1 and one two years ago, and I loved them the year after Yeah, that. And I loved them last year. <laughs>
3: Five Super Bowls
0: in They should have. Uh, all right. Anybody else that you've talked to of note? Anything else you've heard of note? Do you think? What do you think is going to happen with replay? It sounds like these coaches are are kind of pushing on it late into Tuesday to try and make something happen. The owners' meetings now, obviously, going to run through Wednesday. I'm sure we won't hear from Roger Goodell till noon on Wednesday. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on what they might do with replay in the coming year?
3: What are they going to do with the replay? They're going to do, they're going to, eventually they're going to have to get it with the times the fans see it better than the officials see it. I'm all for it. I mean, put an eighth official on the field, put another one on the sideline to do replays and get, get on with it. I don't think every play should be reviewable. I don't think every questionable call should be reviewable. We got to review some of the big plays. Here's the problem. Well, here's a couple of things. The networks don't want games being three and a half, four hours. So you can't, you can't make the game longer. They, they, can add another, they can add 20 minutes. They can add 20 minutes. And then the other thing is, don't you think, Stu, just a little bit that the NFL doesn't mind when they have all this controversy because it keeps them in the news? It's like a car crash. You kind you don't really want to look at it. You don't want to look at it. You just keep looking at it. You know what I mean? As you drive by, your head swivels. You don't want to, but you do. That's kind of what these situations are. But think about it. That game happened when? The Saints, like it was in January, yep. and they're still talking about it, and they're still talking about it, and when the season opens, they'll still talk about it. So, um, no, I think they should fix officiating. But here's the thing: officiating's been so it has been bad forever. It's just now we see the calls. The, the, the technology is so good, the cameras are so good, we see it. Back in the day, we never saw it. Now you see it.
0: Well, that's the thing. Is like you can't you can't have these situations where it's so obviously wrong, and then just move forward like it's no big deal. You have to get the calls right when you have the opportunity and the technology to get it right. Do you think they'll actually flip the switch on the replay going into this year, or will the ownership be too hesitant um, to actually push forward with that?
3: I think they're, they're too hesitant. I think they'll be too hesitant. Here's the other thing, though, too. Let's see. You put more strategy into it for a coach who probably has enough pressure on himself Do you save your challenge? Do you save your one? uh, I can challenge any penalty call. You know, Mm. you're not going to have twenty of those. You know, so it puts more stress. Let me save that for the fourth quarter. Well, what happens if there's a big play the third quarter that you need to use it on because you're going in to score? Then you don't have it in the fourth quarter when something actually happens, or in overtime, like what happens? You know what I mean? So uh, for me, I think you got to look at it from that standpoint of when do you use it, how to use it. Coaches, they're all for this, by the way. They all they voted thirty-two to nothing to, to change the the rule, but, you know, it's not, it's not their decision they don't make the call. All
0: right. Anything other, uh, anything else of note? I mean, the, the, uh, did you talk, I don't know if you heard the f- overtime
3: rules, the overtime rules being tabled still, still uh, May, which, well, I, I'm, you know, look, I don't think the overtime rules need to be changed. I'm, I'm in a minority on that one. Uh, if you can play defense and win championships, why can't you play defense at overtime? Go play defense and get the ball back.
0: Hmm, it's a good point. Uh, and then, they, 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 the, that's some blindside blocks and peelback blocks and stuff like that. Doesn't sound like that's, I mean, you know, that's pretty standard safety procedure. Uh, they like the kickoff rules the way they are, no wedges, made those all permanent. Um and then the other thing, the, uh, it doesn't sound like they're gonna pull the fourth and fifteen versus the onside kick thing. That, that sounds like, it's going to get quashed. Well,
3: they can't, they can't do the fours and fifteen thing because then that would be copying the other league, and they don't want to act like they're the NFL. They don't copy anybody's league.
0: But they, can, they at least have to wait for, like, one AAF season to wrap up before they do that. I mean, like you can't just fire right. it out now. Um, right. They're not going to do that. All right. All right, Pete. Well, uh, you got you got to go talk to Les Snead. you got to go hobnob. you got to go uh, – maybe you gotta, you got to find your way to the Biltmore Lobby tonight?
3: i got to – no. i got to get uh, – I'm forward to shut up when I'm doing this, too, by the way.
0: I like the idea. Never we, sh- we should have just had you guys. He never d- shut up. Well, that's fine. We should have just had you guys do, a like, a little separate podcast. I could have done an intro and throw it to you guys in Arizona. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's good to talk to you. Wish I was there with you guys. Uh, I will be at uh, – I'll be checking out the uh, NC State Pro Day tomorrow. A little re- original reporting. No big deal.
3: Um, you're, going to, you're going to the NC State Pro Day, huh? Original reporting, I like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, uh, I don't. I guess
3: do? go watch watch Ryan Fidley throw helium balloons around. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I'm going to watch Kelvin Harmon and, uh, and Garrett Bradbury. Uh, but I, I'm guessing I don't think Bill Belichick will scoot out of there to come to the NC State Pro Day this year. I'm guessing he'll be a no show because it's you know. Yeah, he's I, I head would head.
3: imagine, but Garrett Bradbury is going to be a first round pick.
0: I, I agree. Uh, okay. Make sure you read Pete Prisco's stuff. Check out that piece on the Cardinals on CBSSports.com. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. He and Jason LaCafora live from the owners' meetings uh, through Wednesday. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, man. All
3: right. We'll see you, Will.